0: Friends, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1. You'll find it on page 1,501 in the Bible in the pew in front of you. Now, friends, when it comes to the holidays, I believe there's this pressure that many of us experience with wanting to have the Christmas card idea of this time of year. You know what I'm talking about, right? That perfect the perfect decorations, the perfect living room, the perfect holiday celebrations, all of those things. How many of our holiday movies end with the perfect tree, with the perfect people, wearing the perfect clothing? Ladies, you know, the ladies wake up and their makeup and hair is just gorgeous and immaculate. They're wearing the perfect holiday clothing and they have the perfect presence and it's just... It looks picture perfect. Well, my wife and I, uh, one of the movies that we like to watch every year during this time, usually uh, right after Thanksgiving or, um, you know, um, in the weeks leading up to Christmas is the movie Home Alone. Anybody with me? Right? Sometimes it's funny. I look at Judah and I think he looks like a little Macaulay Culkin. Um, So pray for us. I think we have shenanigans in our future. But we'll, we'll watch Home Alone, right? And how many of you parents freak out when you see what he does to his parents' house, right? And then if you watch Home Alone 2, it's, it's the same thing. It's just a bunch of chaos. But then something happens magically. Kevin McAllister, the night, Christmas Eve night, after he's just put the, uh, the bad guys through a house of horrors, it looks Perfect. And he wakes up and there's the tree and the presence, and it's snowing magically. And it's perfect. And he wakes up and he's disappointed that his family's not there. Oh, but just for a second. Because he turns around and there's his mom. And then all of a sudden, the rest of the family shows up at the magical moment, and it's perfect, and it's wonderful, and it's gorgeous. And in Home Alone, too. They wake up in the Plaza Hotel, and they wake up, and Mr. Duncan has given them extravagant gifts as a way of saying thank you. And again, it's this picture sort of perfect moment. Many of our postcards show Joseph and Mary traveling to, traveling to Bethlehem, and in these cards, it's, you get this sense of some tranquility, this peaceful journey that this young couple is taking to the sleepy hamlet of Bethlehem. It's usually at night and the stars are twinkling with such. And if you pay a little extra for the Hallmark, there might be some glitter on there too for you. And it kind of looks like you just want to jump right into their Christmas card, doesn't it? Oh, it looks so nice and peaceful. But have you ever thought what that first Christmas was actually like for Mary and Joseph? It's my guess that it was anything but serene. In a few moments, we're going to read in our text today about the birth of Jesus. Now, I'll tell you, if you're looking for like a a Pulitzer Prize novel, Matthew does not give us very many details. But friends, we're familiar enough with the Christmas story. Luke fills in a lot of those details for us. We're familiar with a lot of it, but we're going to unpack some of the details that Matthew gives us that's going to color in for us a different picture of what that first Christmas day was like for them. Now, friends, unlike the movies or the Christmas cards, can we just be honest and say that our holidays can be filled with stress? Can be filled with dysfunction, dare I even say that, or the pressure to keep up with the Joneses. And if it's not with the Joneses, then how about with the pressure the children place on us when they turn in their list that they want us to give to Santa. And if your kids are growing up, then how about the pressure that you feel about trying to visit all the family and to cram in all of the family things that are happening in such a short period of time? Friends, it can add up, I think, to a busy, stress-filled time of year, a time that's supposed to be filled with love and peace, tranquility. Now, in reality, and in contrary to what many of the Christmas cards portray Christmas can be a time that brings out the worst in us. Anybody read any articles of Black Black Friday? I heard recently that our dysfunction and uh, our lack of priorities as Americans has reached across the pond and now Europeans are starting to freak out like we are freaking out. It can rob us if we get caught up in what society says and how we're to celebrate. It can actually rob us of the feelings of hope, love, joy, and peace that we focus on during the season of Advent. Now, last week, Tim uh, had us look at the hope that is ours that Christ brought to earth on that first Christmas, and not just what happened that first Christmas, but the future hope. Now, all of us who have been saved by Jesus Christ have to look forward to when he comes again, finally and fully in his glory to earth. Today we're going to focus in on God's gift of love, the love that Christ brought during a difficult and tumultuous time, not just for the people of Israel, but for Mary and Joseph as well. Now, as I was preparing today's message, I kept coming back to this one dominant theme. If you're taking notes, write this down. It is this, that God often demonstrates his love in unexpected ways, in unexpected packages. The testimony of the scriptures is that the coming of Christ to this earth was for the purpose of dying for a world that is populated by sinners. This, God says, is his greatest demonstration of love that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In order for Christ to die for us, he had to come and live among us. That's what Emmanuel means, Christ with us, God with us. And the way that he chose to come to this earth was through a poor, humble family, which goes against all conventional wisdom. There was no pomp and circumstance. There was cows and straw and manure and pain and uncomfortableness. The Messiah being born to the Virgin Mary in a stable was something the people of Israel were not expecting at all. It just didn't fit the bill. And perhaps you have your own ideas of how you think Jesus Christ to sh- should show up this Christmas for you. And for you, maybe it looks like a Christmas postcard, but it's gonna be something different. This year for you, God often demonstrates his love to us in unexpected ways. But more than the idea that God often demonstrates his love in unexpected ways, I'm convinced that he has the expectation for each one of us who are his children, he has this expectation that we will demonstrate his love in unexpected ways. Friend, that bears writing down. If you're taking notes, write that down. I don't want this global big idea. I want it personally for you. And this is what I believe the message for today for you is this. Next slide. Maybe. I don't have it. No, there it is. Thanks, Jordan. Sorry. God often wants you to demonstrate his love in unexpected ways. He wants you to, to be the gift he brings to someone's life. As we read our text today, I hope you'll see how God demonstrated his love for Mary and Joseph and by extension how they demonstrated love back in their response to God's plan for their lives. Can I tell you God interrupted their plans, friends? And yet their response dictates that they were loving in return. In their story are lessons for you and me about how we're to demonstrate God's love. So would you please stand with me, if you're able, and follow along as I read from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Friends, this is the story of Christmas. It was recorded by Matthew for you and I to understand and to hear today. Friends, you may be seated. Think about that story for a moment. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. A betrothal back in those times was just as legally binding as a marriage. Usually what would happen is for a period of time during the betrothal, when their families arranged the marriage, the son would add a a home, a room onto their parents' house. And he would spend that time building and making a home, preparing it to receive his wife. And when he was done, they would have a wedding ceremony that lasted a week. So guys who had to pay for a wedding for their brides, thankfully, it wasn't a week long. They had a whole week-long celebration. At the end of that week, they would uh, be husband and wife and live their lives. And it was good because for that first year of marriage, a husband was not allowed to be in the army, was not allowed to go off and fight wars. The whole responsibility for that year was this couple to build a relationship, to build a home. But that wouldn't be the case for Joseph and Mary because the emperor declared a census and said, you had to go to your your home of origin where your family was, um, where your family uh, tribe was. And so they had to travel to Bethlehem. So they're visitors to, to, to their family, to their extended family. So they're not in their own home. Mary's pregnant. And while there, he finds out that she's pregnant. it was a pretty scary time i think for the both of them friends as as i've been unpacking this and the lessons that we're to learn about how god demonstrates his love in unexpected ways and how we're in turn to demonstrate his love back to other people i realized this and if you're writing this down you can you can take this note down god will love you in your fear god will love you in your fear Now, as I was processing this through with uh, another person uh, this week, uh, through some text, I I have a friend that likes to um, give me advice and and feedback. And I mean that not snarkily. I mean that like I appreciate it, right? Um, If you're writing notes, I want you to also put in parentheses, not only will God love you in your fear, but God will love you in your faith. Your fear and your faith. Mary didn't tell Joseph about her visit by the angel. Our text in verse 18 says that she was found to be pregnant. She was found. She didn't tell Joseph. Could you imagine that conversation, uh, Joseph? We've got to have a talk. Uh, I'm, I'm pregnant. But, 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 but don't, don't, don't go too far thinking it's from the Holy Spirit. Joseph, if she tried to go to that with Joseph, Joseph would have been like, what? you got to be kidding. She was found to be pregnant. Uh, The Greek word to find here is something either by a purposeful search or accidentally. And, And with it, there's this element of tension in this phrase. There's a sense of scandal in this. And so I don't know about you, but if I was Mary, I tried to put myself in Mary's shoes or her sandals, right? And I would be freaking out. And I don't know about you, what situations you might be in, but you might be freaking out about something. And God tells her, this is a good thing. This is how I'm gonna save all mankind, Mary Mary. And if you know Mary's response, she says, let it be to your servant as you have spoken. Now, friends, let's just be honest. It would become obvious, at least for the women, and eventually for everyone else that Mary was pregnant. Okay, there's a, uh, a law in the law that Moses handed down that said women, when they were in their monthly cycle, were considered unclean and not allowed to worship with the community. So at some point, people are thinking, why is Mary still going to the synagogue? Why is Mary still worshiping? Isn't she unclean? Well, she wasn't because she was pregnant. And then it wouldn't take it too long. I know that the clothing of the times were more conservative than clothing of our times, but at some point, the belly would show. And it wouldn't take long before she was found to be pregnant. And we're told in verse 19 that Joseph goes into damage control. In verse 19, it says, Because Joseph, her husband, was, in our NIV, it says faithful to the law. But in other translations, it says righteous or a just man. And yet, because he was faithful, he he was a law-abiding Jew. He was righteous according to the laws that they had. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He was starting to plan, how do I absolve this? How do I annul this relationship? Again, she hadn't told him. It was found out she's pregnant. He did not at this time know that it was by the Holy Spirit. So he's thinking, this girl that I was betrothed to had been unfaithful but do you notice Joseph's response to an offense? Grace. How many of us are, when we're fearful of a situation that we're in, respond with grace? Oh, that one hurt for me this week. And how how, how often is it that we're hurtful to the ones we love the most? Or like we're quicker to be hurtful instead of gracious? but the ones that we love the most. You see, friends, it was Joseph's faith in God. It was his faith in his relationship with God that led him to grace and sensitivity towards Mary, the woman he perceived to be unfaithful. Now, friends, in a, mo- a, a, a few minutes ago, I just said that I believed that if I was Mary, I would be fearful. And my friend pointed out, how do you know she was fearful? That's something that I just assume. What if she wasn't fearful because she trusted in her faith in God the most? Wow. When we're given good news, isn't that usually one of two default responses? We freak out or we respond in faith. And rather we freak out in fear or we respond in faith, God still demonstrates his love for us in both. I'm mindful of the story of Peter when he walked on the water, right? And he begins to drown. And Jesus says, ye of little faith, why did you doubt and why were you afraid? Why did you have fear? But did you notice he only says that to Peter after he reached down and picked him up? God is ready to love you in the midst of your fear, and God is ready to love you in the midst of your faith. It's both, in the midst of both of those things. She might have been fearful because she would have been afraid of the consequences of being abandoned by Joseph and her family. We are told that there is no room at the end. You remember that part of the story? There's no room at the end. I think in our minds, when Mary comes to visit, we think they go to the like, uh, the Holiday Inn. And they knock on a door and an innkeeper, sorry, we're all full, no vacancy for the night. So then they go to the Best Western, sorry, no vacancy. So Justice, like, man, i got to put this on the credit card. we got to go to the plaza. No, no room at the inn. Friends, can I tell you that um, that's not the right way to think of the story? Um, The language for inn is better guest room, better translated guest room. And we suppose that it wasn't that they were trying to go find a hotel or a motel because those really didn't exist back then but that they went to their family and knocked on the door and said, hey, uncle, can we have a place to stay? Can we stay in your guest room? Can we stay in your inn? And they said, sorry, we can't have you in here because your wife is pregnant and you're not the father. Have you thought about that? That even her own family wouldn't accept them because of the scandal of her pregnancy. She was found out to be pregnant. I don't know who is taking the guest room, but can't you make some room for a pregnant lady, please? And so they say, we can't put you there, but you can go sleep with the cows. She might have had a little bit of fear because of how people were gonna treat her and the consequences, but she might have had faith She might not have been fearful because she trusted God so much. She says to the angel of the Lord, may it be done to your servant as you have said. Can you imagine a 14 to 19-year-old girl being visited by an angel saying that? That takes great faith. So whether it was fear or whether it was faith, She trusted in God, and God chooses to love her and chooses to love through her. And because of their response, we get to experience God's love today. Friends, but there's an application for us. Who in your life is in a state of fear? Is there someone that you know that has a reason to fear? Or maybe they're unnecessarily fearing over a situation. How can you show them God's love this Christmas? Could it be by not overreacting? Could it be by not shoving them aside? Could it be by not abandoning them? Friends, not only does God demonstrate his love to us in unexpected ways, but God wants us to demonstrate that to others. And so we need to be willing to love people in their fear and in their faith. The second point, if you're taking notes, is that God will love you in your frustration. God will love you in your frustration. It says that Joseph resolved to divorce Mary quietly in verse 19. The NIV reads, He had in mind, and it can be translated resolved, he had made a decision. He had chosen a course of action. Mary's pregnant. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know how. She is. Maybe at this time he knew that it was of the Holy Spirit. Man, Mary's saying that she's pregnant of the Holy Spirit. That is a tough pill to take. I don't know. That's, that's, I don't know about that one. Either way, he had came up with this plan to divorce her quietly. This was not a light issue for him to come to, friends, because it had the potential to greatly affect both of their lives and reputations. It could, if other people mishandled it, resulted in Mary's death. It's not how we treat divorce today in America where we're really cavalier about it as a society, as a whole. I, I don't want to downplay how it affects people personally, but, but it's not like it was back in Mary's days. But then we read, he had in mind, he would resolved, he had a chosen course of action, but then we read that after he had considered these things, an angel appears to him. Now that phrase, but after he had considered, could be translated as he was considering. So he had a course of action, but he was still pondering it, which means that his heart and his mind was open to a different persuasion, to, to other data. He has not so closed off his mind to a course of action that he couldn't have made a course correction. Friends, he wasn't so stubborn, is what it means. Joseph therefore was open to hearing from the angel. He could receive a heavenly visitor. Now, if we allow frustration to rule our hearts, if we allow ourselves, our mind, our decisions to become so stubborn, then is it possible that we would silence the Holy Spirit's influence in our lives and not be open up to another persuasion? Friends, many of you know that uh, the summer of 2017 was very difficult for me personally to go through because I had some of the most significant personal conflict with a friend where we had a major blowout uh, over the 4th of July weekend. We went down to the beach and we were going to have a talk and I thought I was just going to be able to share my heart. And friends, I went to my execution that day. Judge, jury, execution. I thought he was going to kill me. He was... Uh, not kill me, literally, but like just beat the snot out of me. And he was, he had allowed himself to come up with this own story about me and believe all, without asking me, talking to me, confronting me. There were some things that we needed to hammer out, but he didn't give me that opportunity. And he just, I basically felt murdered that day. It's interesting. Jesus says that if we harbor anger, it's as if we murdered them, I, I felt that. And, and over the last two years, we had been try- I had been trying at least, as far as it is up to me, to try to be open to reconciliation, even though I was being accused of being a horrible monster by this friend of mine. I tried to leave myself open to, and I tried to leave things, and, and, and it just wasn't happening. And, and I had friends that said, you know, Steve, it's okay to just move on. And, friends, if you knew all the details, you would have been like, What are you doing, Steve? Trying to even, why would you even want to be friends with someone like that again? And I just felt like I had to be open to reconciliation. But, friends, I could have allowed myself to be so stinking stubborn in my heart that I would have no room for a friendship with this individual. Now, fast forward to about a month ago, and through his own stupidity, I'll just call it that, stupid actions, he's found himself in a very difficult and delicate situation. I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, reach out to him. I said, but, ah, I tried, and he didn't, and I got hurt, and I don't know if I want that anymore, and I was frustrated with him, yet I did it, and oh my gosh, I'm finding that I get to be walking through him through a difficult time. We get to have lunch this Tuesday, friends. I get to walk through him in this moment, and it, it, it was difficult. He frustrated the snot out of me, and yet because I hadn't been so stubborn, I was open to the Holy Spirit to say, reach out. I don't know where this story goes, but I have to continue to hope that God's gonna use me to demonstrate love to him in unexpected ways. Friends, who in your in your life are you frustrated with? Do they go by son? Do they go by daughter? Do they go by employer? Not you, Tim. Do they go by pastor? Who do they what what's their name? What's the relationship? How long has the tension, the frustration built up in you? Have you closed your heart off to them? If God can love you and me, stubborn people, while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. God wants to use you to demonstrate his love in an unexpected way. Maybe you're going to call someone and that's going to just cause them to pass out because they thought it was closed with you. How can you be loving, open to loving and forgiving people this Christmas whom you're frustrated with? Friends, God will love you in your frustration. We see him loving Joseph through Joseph's frustration. He sent him an angel. God gave you the Holy Spirit. Friends, the third lesson about demonstrating love is that God will love you in your foregoing. Okay, I had to choose foregoing because as a pastor, I needed three Fs, okay? because I wanted it to be remembered. I wanted you to be reminded of it. Uh, that's giving up. That's sacrifice, right? In your foregoing. We have this little phrase that says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate the marriage. Adults, you know what that means, right? There were certain choices of intimacy that he forego, that he, that he pa- took a pass on in order to do things right, in order to maintain, to maintain that, that belief, that conviction that this is the Holy Spirit. Joseph's obedience led him to not enjoying the benefits of the marriage relationship. I don't know, a month, two months? We were not told how pregnant Mary is at this time. And we're not told when they decided to be a couple after it. It just says that he withheld. He gave. He sacrificed. Even though Joseph's obedience would tarnish his reputation, he was committed to following God no matter what. Friends, there's things that we need, we need to give up in our lives in order for us to demonstrate love for God. We are uh, the most distracted society on the face of this planet. I'm reading this book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and it is like rocking my, we're actually finished reading it. I need to go back and reread it. Um, let me tell you, Any of you have a smartphone, you might want to consider doing a digital detox over Christmas. Because how many of you have found you're waiting in line at a bank? Maybe you're waiting in line at a light, red light. Don't confess that here. And you just reach for your phone for no apparent reason. You just reach for it, and and, and you're like, why am I on this thing? It didn't go off. It didn't ring. It didn't vibrate. But you find yourself touching it. Did you know the average iPhone user touches their phone 2,617 times in one day? That's it. They have this, uh, they have this psychologists have this, uh, this diagnosis called phantom phone syndrome, where you think it rang, you think it vibrated. How many of you are watching a movie, you hear a tone in the movie, and you go to your phone because you think it's yours? Right? Friends, sometimes you need to give up, maybe this Christmas, you need to give up something because it's so distracting you from seeing how God's loving you right now or from God using you to love someone else? What is it you need to give up this? Christmas In order to see God in a new way and in order to share love in a new way? Maybe better yet to put it, what do you need to give up in order to obey God? Friends, I can only imagine how difficult that first Christmas was. But when we go back and we read the story, we see God's love being poured out to Mary and Joseph as they continue to obey him, and in unexpected ways. The rest of the story goes two years after Mary and Joseph, maybe about two years after Mary and Joseph have uh, give birth to Jesus. They get a visit by the Magi. And the Magi just so happened to bring them gifts of frankincense, myrrh, and gold. And it just so happens that King Herod, a sadistic king, has a plot to kill them and they need to flee to Egypt. How would they have done that if it was not for the extravagant gifts given to them by the Magi? And is that not a sign of God's love to Mary and Joseph saying, I know everybody around you is going to think you're crazy for being faithful to me, but I got you. I'm going to show you love like never before. And on the moment that Mary had to give her son up, as he is on the cross dying for our sins and for her sins, he makes provision for her and looks at John and says, John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. and He makes arrangements for her to be cared for because he loves her. Friends, God demonstrates his love to you and to me in unexpected ways. And friends, God wants to use you to demonstrate his love to others in unexpected ways. What does that look like for you this Christmas? That's your homework for the week. And I pray that as you respond to the Holy Spirit, that you see God using you in ways you couldn't fathom this year, and that you have a different Christmas than you thought you were going to have this year, a different Christmas than, than what you were planning since Thanksgiving And let's see how we get to experience God's love in new ways. Amen. Would you join me in prayer?